Welcome to Donne Talks, provided to you by Donne, Women in Music. I am your host, Gabriella Dilatio, and in every episode I interview guests who are amplifying change, people who are using their voices and their positions to create bigger impact in our society. Today's guest is Dr. Anastasia Bellina. Anastasia is a musicologist, writer, presenter, opera director, artist manager, and much more. She's also a passionate advocate of women composers, and in 2018, she took part of the Forgotten Female Composers Project, a partnership between the BBC and the Arts and Humanities Research Council. She discovered the forgotten symphony Roland Furieux by French composer Augusta Olmes. The work had its world premiere in Cardiff in March 2018 in a concert given by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales. For me, the answer would be not to create kind of these splashes on the 8th of March every year, but simply to carry on embedding the work of female composers and musicians in our daily work and practice and programming. That, that to me, is the answer. Now we have learned a lot. We have a lot of wonderful resources at our disposal. Now we have to use them because without knowing what female composers and artists have created, we don't have the full picture and full understanding of these musical movements, cultural movements. We can't examine them just through the lens of what male artists have done. Welcome, Dr. Anastasia Bellina. It's so lovely to have you here with me and with all of us today. How are you? By, first of all, how are you doing? How is the pandemic been for you so far? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Greetings from Sweden. Um, the pandemic is, of course, uh, ravaging our world, uh, but we are trying to remain positive and optimistic and, uh, you know, doing all we can to plan for a better future whilst minimizing the risks in the most immediate time frame. But we're well, thank you, and I hope you are as well. Yes, yes. As we, we are, as you said, keeping positive, keeping creative and uh, speaking to you, I'm sure is going to help all of us today as well to um, exchange some lovely ideas. So I was uh, having a look at your CV and you have such a all round career in the music world as a musicologist, writer, presenter, opera director. Uh, but did you start as a musician as well? yourself? Yes, well, I grew up in a musical family. Both of my parents were musicians, professional performers. So um, it uh, was the only path that was available to me. And, um, but uh, I had a, I was a pianist when I began, but I had a hand injury at the age of 18. And actually that stopped me from uh, playing professionally. But it was a blessing in disguise because I discovered the musicology, music history, and I discovered the joy of learning, uh, not only just about you know, the work of music or the composer, but about the wider cultural, historical, political context. And um, it just brought me into this world, uh, which I, I love. And uh, it made, uh, gave me so many opportunities to work in the field of music in so many various ways. Uh, so yes, I have spent all my life in music, but in wearing various hats in, in the course of my career. 
And and your and when you decided to start researching, did you where did you start? What was your first? Um, well, uh, I I uh, was at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Um, and New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> I I was born in in Siberia and I grew up there, uh, but uh, my family moved to New Zealand in 1994 four or five um, and I went to the University of Auckland to do a postgraduate degree and I just um, kind of discovered the, that in our library in Auckland uh, there were a lot of Russian uh, music scores and so I found this composer Vasily Kalinnikov whose music is absolutely beautiful and so I decided to do a dissertation on him and kind of it took me from that moment on led me to a path uh, to work with unknown composers and that's what I have pretty much done in, in, in my whole life. <laughs> Mostly Russians or, or from anywhere? No, all, all sorts. Uh, started with Russians of course because it was simply closer to home uh, but I have done a PhD on uh, Sergei Tanev, which was a Russian 19th century composer. But after that, I worked on Andrzej Tchaikovsky, who was the Polish-British composer and pianist. Uh, Augusta Olmes, of course, the um, French composer. I now work uh, on Swedish female composers and male composers. So I, I am quite uh, all-inclusive, really. It doesn't matter from what country the composer is. I just have to be interested in their music and their story, I guess. I can see you also did 19th century opera, Wagner, his influences <laughs> on Russian composers, yes. modern operas written on Greek dramas, yes. and also 20th century British music. <laughs> well, I guess Andrei Tchaikovsky comes into that bracket. Um, yes, uh, I always was fascinated by Wagner's music and uh, his creative ideas. So um, again, at the time I was working in the field of Russian music, so it was natural for me to focus on how Wagner influenced Russian musicians at the time. Uh, but yes, he remains one of my favorite composers to this day. The thing that brought us together actually was the project you were involved in to 2018, wasn't it? The yeah. Arts and Humanities Research Council Forgotten Female Composers Project. Is that correct? Yes, that, that was a joint project of Arts and Humanities Research Council and the BBC. They, they um, kind of collaborated on this, uh, uh, Forgotten Female Composers. Uh, that is the project that introduced me to and opened my eyes to this world. I remember I got across um, your name because of Augusta Olmes, and we'll talk about her in a minute, because the project also had other four composers, um, yeah. Florence Price, yes. Kasperova, Leocadia uh, Matilda Müller-Hermann, and um, Mariana Martinez. That's and Mariana Martinez, Mariana. exactly. Okay. Fantastic, you know, beautiful concert. So until that moment, do, uh, had you come across Augusta Almes? Was that because no. of the project or you? It was because of the project. Uh, before that call was announced, I, only, I, I worked always on unknown or neglected composers, but they happened to be all male. 
Um, but uh, when the call was announced, uh, I thought that sounds really interesting. This is my area, so it doesn't matter if a composer, male or female, let me look into it. And um, I simply started researching and looking into female composers through the ages. And um, Augusta Olmes was, she just jumped out at me because uh, she had a strong connection to Wagner, first of all, uh, but also just her life story and her music. Uh, a truly exceptional for, I think, for um, a woman uh, who created it at her um, historical age. Um, and uh, I was just fascinated throughout. And it was a very easy decision for me to, to apply to this project, uh, introducing Augusta Olmes. And I was so delighted that I could go ahead with her. How did you find her? Um, I looked at the um, Grove, uh, New Grove Dictionary of uh, Female Composers, which uh, is uh, a wonderful, wonderful source and resource. And uh, that's where I found Augusta. Fantastic. Okay, well, you're going to have to tell us a, a little bit more about her uh, because she is really fascinating. You know, and she, she was friends with Liszt, uh, Rossini. Lists and songs, Frank, Frank and she she wrote big pieces, which was quite unusual uh, for women at that time. And they, you know, she was quite courageous as well. So uh, uh, please, please tell <laughs> us all a little bit more because um, I'm sure many people out there still don't know her. I think thanks to you and to this beautiful project, she is much more well known right now. But I doubted that she's known as she should. That's true. Uh, well, uh, she was um, a huge figure in her time. She was born in 1847 and died in 1903. So she lived in, in this really interesting period um, in, in France. Uh, she uh, was really plugged into the cultural um, scene uh, and musical scene of her time. Um, she was... Uh, many aspects of her life were highly unusual again for the time um, she was always independent financially and otherwise she never married she was an, in a relationship with Catul Mondes also a prominent literary figure with whom she had five children they never married she never openly accepted or um, yes accepted or acknowledged her children uh, she was the only female student of Cesar Frank uh, in his circle of only male students. Uh, and she chose to work in big musical genres. So she wrote cantatas uh, that required hundreds of people to perform. She wrote operas, she wrote symphonic works. Um, so it, her life her personality and all her musical works were really large in scope. Um, and her music, of course, um, has been characterized by her contemporaries um, and critics of today as really masculine and really bombastic and, you know, big, big character, which is all true, of course, but it was also, uh, on the other hand, very feminine and lyrical and uh, so well-rounded, I would say, but first and foremost, creative and really well-written and uh, an interesting historical record uh, of her time. What was, did she receive uh, 
recognition while she was alive or did she have to did she have to write under a man's name or was she always publishing under her own name she did receive recognition during her time but she did start off as publishing of course under a male name uh, her uh, name was Herman Zenta uh, and she she published a few songs uh, under that name but predominantly she published under her own name she came to prominence um uh, when she started studying with Caesar Frank and when she started uh, composing the large-scale works, uh, she applied to the inaugural City of Paris competition, um, where she won the second prize. Uh, so oh, wow. so she, she won uh, the second prize. Uh, the second year she applied to the same competition, she... Well, many of the jury members wanted to give her the first prize, but she didn't get it because um, the competition was judged by in, in um, combination with uh, professional musicians and the, the city officials. And the city officials, apparently, according to the records, couldn't bring themselves to give the prize to a woman. Uh, so that created a lot of scandal in the in the press and amongst the the professional musical circles and she used that to her advantage so it created a lot of publicity for her and so she managed to get her works performed in with prestigious uh, orchestras in prestigious venues in paris and uh, i think from then on specifically her her fame really took off um, she was also a, a very important figure in the support of and promotion of Wagner's music at the time in Paris so in her salon uh, she performed a lot of uh, Wagner's music and uh, she was one of the seminal figures together with her partner Catul Mendes to really promote his name she was known in literary circles and artistic circles musical circles she was also a poetess she was uh, a designer she created costumes and stage sets for her operas and other works she wrote her own texts um, again rather uncharacteristically for most composers um, at the time only Wagner and Berlioz did that uh, and uh, so all the texts to her songs operas cantatas are written by her you know maybe at the very beginning there are very very few that are not hers but uh, that is what she is known for and how's the situation with her music now? Um, is, is it all published or? Well, uh, through this project, her music um, has been uh, disseminated much more widely. Uh, she, she is published now by Schott. Um, her, some of her, um, several of her symphonic works are published by Schott. Uh, the most recent one, uh, Roland Furioso, or Rolando, Orlando Furioso, uh, the symphony that was long forgotten and neglected uh, that was found in archives in Paris um, and a selection of her other symphonic works. Her, her music has been recorded uh, by the BBC Concert Orchestra. It has, has been uh, performed and recorded by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, BBC Singers. So um, it is definitely getting um, more 
time that it deserves. Um, I also did a program on Augusta Olmes and Henri Duparc with, um, uh, for the BBC Composer of the Week for Radio 3. So she is now, um, I, would, I would hope that she's now a, a name that is better known, but of course there's a long way to go with promoting her music. She wrote many songs and that's yes. something that I would like to look into. Not many recordings exist and it would be wonderful to actually have her have her songs recorded professionally and um, because some of them are, are really wonderful wonderful works and that's so important isn't it? i think people sometimes don't realize how important it is to record the repertoire to make life easier for performers to find the music and to uh, decide if that piece yes. can suit a concert or not um, so this is well this that's is you make a really important point because uh, I <laughs> proposed a lot of composers to the um, Composer of the Week program and the major precluding factor quite often is that there isn't enough recorded music out there. So you, you might have a composer who is wonderfully interesting and you know has a really fascinating life story and you could talk about them for the whole week but there isn't enough music. And when you come to record the music, quite often you find that, well, if you're lucky enough to find the, the scores or the music, they are in autographs, so they're handwritten. And it's so difficult, as you know, to learn something when you can barely decipher what is written on the page. So you have to go through the process of getting it you know, processed and uh, prepared for, for learning and performance. So I, I think, that that's an issue that faces a lot of neglected composers and, and female composers in our case. Definitely. If you're enjoying this podcast, there are three simple things you can do to support our work. First, subscribe. This way you will never miss an episode. Second, tell about us to a friend or a family member. You always have someone to share the stories of this interview. Third, Give us a review on iTunes or whatever other channel you subscribe. This way, you will be helping others to find our podcast. This is not a tricky question, but until <laughs> that moment when Augusta Olmes entered your life, how was your knowledge of women composers through well, your musical career? Zero. Uh, it's really embarrassing to say. Of course, I have worked uh, side by side with my contemporaries who were female composers. Uh, I had students who were female composers. I knew of historical female composers without actually knowing very much of their music. Um, and it's just, I suppose, a, a combination of, well, you are so busy working uh, on, on the things that are immediately in your field of vision and there's a little impetus somehow to to go off your beaten track and look into something else but what was fascinating is when I discovered Augusta and I started working on her music uh, then well the internet the the big surveillance uh, and spying machine that it can be started 
offering me uh, music by female composers I never heard of. So, so obviously, whatever I was doing online, searching on YouTube, knew that I was uh, walking down that path now. And so through that, just even through that, I found so many composers that I now really like and whose music I listen to and uh, several websites that are dedicating themselves now to, to publishing and promoting the works of female composers. But uh, it is really shameful that I knew. Well, not- but I, I don't think it's totally down to you. I mean, I felt quite shocked as and embarrassed and I, I, I was hiding from a lot of people actually that I was that I had that ignorance, but you know, I realized I wasn't alone. For me, it came more of 2015, 2016, when I started to realize there was this almost like a second, a 50% of history that had been, um, you know, forgotten or not uh, not part of, of my education. So, uh, and I think after that, once you see so the amount of beautiful music out there, then as you did and then as I do now, it just becomes natural. Uh, the more you find, the more you, you want to find. It's almost like that. What, what it really does, I mean, at least in the personal ex- experience, it really forces you to uh, examine the music for the music's own sake. To examine the composer because of their work, not because they are a male composer or a female composer. And that is something that I really... Um, I'm so sad that we still have to quite often differentiate, um, you know, between male and female composers. But I think um, we had a lot of momentum with all these movements, with all the projects on uh, discovering neglected female composers, that now we can, I think, capitalize on that and maybe start moving towards simply incorporating the works of these composers into our programs and without making too much fuss about it. Well, I, I actually started this uh, now. I'm, I live in Sweden now and uh, with my partner, Peter Eblonski, we started a piano festival here, which um, already had two editions. And uh, one of our aims in this festival was to make sure that we present the works of female composers in every concert. Um, we kind of at first thought, oh, should we have a day dedicated to female composers or a special concert? And then for various reasons, we ended up with um, not being able to do that, but instead ended up with including uh, a work by a female composer into each concert. And that worked so much better. And we now actually don't even focus on uh, saying every time, look at us, we have a work by a female composer. I, I, I am moving towards uh, the, the, the place where it is just a given that we will have a representation. Sometimes it's equal, sometimes it's not, but we do have a representation um, in our programming. And, and I think that is what is important. I think that's uh, I always think it's a more positive way of doing anyway and that's why I don't understand sometimes the um, the argument that you know organizations are always afraid of programming unknown music either by women composers or, or new composers but if you're presenting a concert that has music that the audience already knows 
what's the excuse for not introducing new things exactly. that people can actually leave that concert thinking wow i never heard of this music and and leave it with a bit more curiosity i agree with you and what i have also experienced now we've been in sweden for a couple of years now and um we present a lot of unknown music not just in our festival but in, in other concerts here and i have never ever had a member of an audience coming to me and say oh well, this unknown composer that, that, you know, why did you do that? We absolutely had an overwhelming 100% positive response. And uh, the response is, well, why don't we hear about these uh, guys and ladies? Why don't you play more of their works? So I think there's a lot of prejudice maybe, or even just wrong assumptions that audiences are, are put off by unknown names in the programs. Perhaps it is to some extent true in, in some places, I don't know. But I certainly haven't found this to be true here. So I think audiences are much more open and embracing than, than we give them credit for. And I think, of course, it takes bravery on behalf of a performer and concerts organizers and promoters. Um, but, uh, you know, wonderful music is wonderful music whether you recognize the name or not. So I think it's really, we have to do a lot of work here and it is our duty to make sure that we continue to find new things and introduce them to our audiences. I, I, I completely agree. Every time I, I sing and perform music by, by women and they are most of the time unknown, <laughs> you can't <laughs> yes. help it. Um, <laughs> I always have people coming to talk to me afterwards more than if I didn't perform that piece because people would come to me and say, oh, I never heard of this composer. Um, and of course, I always make a point of doing that with a lot of thought and maybe telling a story and, you know, you need to introduce uh, a new piece in a interesting way as well for audiences so so to invite them to be part of that story and if you do that and um it's fascinating to see the response i i, I love it w one argument that i want to uh, talk to you about which you know the quality argument because people still believe and i'm sure many people we we you know even ourselves probably have this unconscious bias that oh if the music was good it would have survived now you are the musicologist so um i think it would be very interesting to hear um why this argument well what do you think what are your thoughts on i'm not gonna lead you on the answer on this one uh, what are your thoughts of the the quality argument well i i have a lot of problems with the, the word quality because quality uh, can mean different things for different people and does mean different things for different people um, uh, and especially for professionals or professional musicians versus audiences or versus music lovers, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think good music that speaks to us is good music. Um, I, I don't think of music in terms of if this is Bach, this is high quality. If this is Augusta Olmes, this is you know low lower quality what does 
what do you get out of listening to a particular work by a particular composer? What response um, does it elicit from you or from your neighbor in the concert hall? I think that is what is important um, to me. Having done a lot of work on neglected composers in my time, it is blatantly obvious that composers are neglected not because their music is bad and not interested or badly written, they're neglected for so many reasons, for a, a huge variety of reasons, and absolutely not because of the quality of the music. Um, and also we are bombarded with so much information now and there are so many recordings of uh, wonderful works and the established canon. So I think it's um, really quite difficult sometimes to, to again, step out of, of this um, and to find out something new, something different. So yeah, I have a lot of problems with people who are um, kind of thinking only in terms of quality music and if you have been neglected you have been neglected for a reason it just doesn't stand closer scrutiny I'm afraid yeah it would be nice if people more people would think like that because it's is sadly a very common um which an argument that would make sense you know if we if we didn't know all the first all the barriers uh women would have to to go through to even get their music published. And, mm -hmm. and, and the other thing is, uh, you know, cultural memory is not a stable thing because many of these women had uh, success. And, yeah. you know, like Augusta Olmes, like, you know, Hildegard von Bingen, like Barbara Strozzi, like, and, and then what happened was they disappeared from history. Again, then for other reasons, um, you know, other historical reasons that, we don't have control and 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 this is very serious because uh, you know how do we prevent this from happening again because i feel like things have definitely changed in the past years and there have been many positive initiatives like the me too i do fear that sometimes people believe that the problem has been solved <laughs> that's what I, 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 I think like, okay, no women, okay, of course, equality, now they have it. Oh, yes, women composers, we know them all now. Oh, Gabriella, are you still talking about women composers? <laughs> I think it is probably, you're right, it is probably easier to create an interest and to draw attention to something, but then having captured that momentum, carry it through and, and ride with it. So I think we are precisely at this point now uh, because, yes, there is a lot of attention to female creativity and female uh, legacy um, in, in, in the, the, the world of culture. But I think for me, the answer would be not to create um, kind of these splashes on the 8th of March every year or, or create specific special events, but simply to carry on embedding the work of female composers and musicians in our daily work and practice and programming. That, that to me is the answer. Now we have learned a lot, we have found out a lot, we have a lot of wonderful resources at our disposal. Now we have to use them. 
um, that that is what certainly I am trying to do <laughs> in my daily work and encourage, of course, uh, all people I work with. Um, but you're right. Uh, it, it would be also very easy to kind of for this momentum to, to drop off the cliff. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't. Of course, this year has been such a special year, <laughs> not yeah. in a good way, because we, we, we couldn't really uh, research properly what people were presenting in terms of to sort of compare uh, with other years and to see if there has been um, a change or a positive change, a very slow positive change. But, but I feel things have to start much earlier. You know, we, we have to start in our musical education as well. Yes. It has to be incorporated from, yeah, not, not only for the music, but, uh, you know, as you said, some of these stories are so inspiring yeah. in terms of giving you, you know, resilience. You know, this music career is such a beautiful career, but it's not an easy one. You know, you face adversity and you face rejection and you face so many moments when you have self-doubts and, and you're searching for your artistic voice. And then you hear the stories of these women who overcame, um, you know, so many of the barriers. And these stories, I, I missed them uh, already. I missed hearing them when I was a child or, or a teenager aspiring uh, to become a professional musician. So um, for me, I, I really think we, we should be doing so much more in terms of everybody, you know, from education, from performers, from organizations, from orchestras, from radios. And in that sense, I feel we are so behind. I agree. And, and you touch an important point, uh, education, that, uh, of course, uh, it's, it's not enough and far too late at, uh, at a master's level at the university to have a course on females in music. It's just not enough. Uh, I remember even when I was um, at the music school back back in Siberia, music history only contained, of course, male composers. I don't remember a single female name uh, in a single history book of the time. So it needs to start uh, as early as possible with, uh, and, and again, without separating it and, and making it look like this is something unusual or special it should be part of history just like women are part of history you know in in every sphere we inhabit this world together with men uh, and that's it and and female music exists in the same sphere as male music and it, it shouldn't even be differentiated like that so it just it should be inclusive, it should be included, because without knowing what female composers and artists have created, we don't have the full picture and full understanding of these musical movements, cultural movements. We, we don't, we can't examine them just through the lens of what male artists have done. Of course, and as we know, we are 50% of the population, so it should be easy, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, you would think so. <laughs> We're <laughs> trying. <laughs> um, so now, um, with the pandemic, I think 
um, the pandemic could bring actually a great opportunity for uh, instead of being a, a difficult moment because it could be an opportunity for everybody who is doing things online to actually offer uh, this music as well uh, in option not so much uh, not only orchestras but all of us performers and I think uh, um, as an artist I always always like to invite everybody listening right now to one uh, be more curious and if you are a performer try to you know find one or two up to 10 pieces that you know really well that you can always do it as an encore it doesn't matter sometimes I know we don't have control on the program we are performing but you know you can always suggest I always suggest now and you know they if they say no fine but at least I feel I feel good <laughs> I feel good with myself at least they have heard the name and maybe we'll recognize it when it comes around second time. exactly so Anastasia um just for us to have a a, a, a a nice ending uh, in terms of new ideas and how can we have, how can we think in a positive way of moving forward? So in your opinion, how can we all do better? What would be like your top three uh, suggestions to everybody listening today from people just listening to podcasts to all of us artists, to teachers, to people who just love music? Well, first of all, to, to be courageous and uh, to be fearless really in our own research and discovery, not to be put off by this idea that, oh, if something is unknown or neglected, it probably doesn't merit closer scrutiny because in many cases it does. Um, uh, to, to continue the work that we have been doing, of uh, bringing the work of female composers uh, to wider attention and to continue for those who, who are performers i strongly believe that they should always incorporate the work of female composers in their programs of course with that comes um a lot of background work and research you can't just uh, put uh, uh, you know, pluck a female composer out of the air and include her work in, in your program, it needs to be true to you. So, so performers, especially if they're not well um, aware, I guess, of, of uh, female composers' works, they have to spend a lot of time researching and finding the music that is true to them and that finds resonance with them. But, but uh, you know, it, it is out there and there is no longer any excuse not to do it. So um, to continue offering these works to concert organizers, to promoters, to orchestra managers, um, you know, because they deserve to be known. Um, and to believe that, uh, you know, with to have a positive outlook to 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 continue um, the work if you if you believe in it if you if you have the passion for it to just keep going without uh, you know you ha you get a no you 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 get a yes from from the next place um, kind of work on it despite the rejection that you might have or the lack of interest in one place because there will be an open door somewhere further down the line, if that makes sense. 
Yes, of course it does make sense. <laughs> for, and now for all the people listening who never heard of Augusta Holmes, what is your number one piece oh. that you would uh, suggest they start with? I actually um, knew more about her in, in depth because of you, because when I came across the number of women composers I neglected, they were over 6,000. So it was very difficult for me to 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 pick which ones I would like to, to dedicate first. And definitely um, through that project, I, I got to know Augusta Olmes because of you. So what are your... Uh... Well, the, there are literally dozens, uh, over a hundred of songs. So it's difficult to, to suggest, but there is a wonderful song called Trianon, for instance, that I really love. Um, I uh, am really much sold on her orchestral works at the moment and uh, the first work I heard by her was uh, called Andromede which I would recommend uh, hugely but uh, of course the the symphony Roland uh, Orlando Furioso or Roland Furieux, which is available now um, I would recommend that work as well I mean Whatever you can find, whatever channel you listen to, uh, I think that's that's a good start with her. And hopefully, uh, if um, the listeners do that, their YouTube is going to do exactly as yours and is just going to introduce them <laughs> yeah. more pieces by uh, wonderful pieces by women composers. I'm sure that's it will. I am sure it will. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anastasia, for your time and for telling us. I mean, uh, we could hear much more, of course, but maybe we can do another one uh, in the future. And uh, stay well and hopefully see you soon here in London or in Sweden. Take Thank care. For listeners wanting to learn more about Donne and everything that we do, please visit our website on www.donne.com hyphen uk.org if you enjoyed the podcast please go to itunes to subscribe and while you're there it will be great if you could rate and review the show and spread the word on social media thank you so much for listening and i look forward to being with you in our next episode